Hello and welcome to the Jewish's podcast. Today we have a very, very exciting episode all about angels. This is one of the most asked for topics and it's taken us a very long time to cover it because the research that went into this post was immense. This was originally published as a blog post on the Jewish's blog and we're now turning it into a podcast episode. If you want to support the podcast and get early access to blog posts, you can do so over on our Patreon, where you get lots of bonus content, not to mention you can support our work. You can also support our work on Anchor.fm, our hosting platform. With that being said, we're just going to dive right into this because it might be a long one. When you think of angels, you probably think of chubby-faced babies, divine beings carrying spears and swords, majestic wings sprouting from their shoulder blades, perhaps even a radiant light shining from within their perfect skin. These are the angels that populate our imaginations. Or perhaps you spent time on the part of the internet where a certain type of quote-unquote biblically accurate pop angel is popular, but angel is a much more complicated classification. Jewish angelology, or the theological doctrine of angels or its study, is in many ways to stare into a vast history and to appreciate the many points of evolutionary understanding. Who angels are, where they come from, what purpose they serve, all of these things are things that have, over the centuries, evolved within Jewish thought across the Jewish world. When analyzing much of these works, we must contextualize it across time and space understanding that it may brush up against or even outright contradict what was earlier or what will later be believed. Jewish angelology, like many Jewish things, exists in a constant state of wrestling with itself, engaging with its own theology, writing, and defining as it evolves. Like many Jewish uh, podcasts, this will not be an all-encompassing episode, but rather a surface-level explanation to serve as a jumping-off point for further reading, research, and scholarship on the topic of angels, particularly within the esoteric realm. For a scholarly discussion on a specific angel, class of angel, or theological perspective, feel free to peruse the sources we provide at the end. We're also not trying to convince you or change your mind or in any way push a specific perspective. To quote the Mishneh Torah, all that which the Holy One, blessed is he created in his world, is divided into three types. A, composite creatures of matter and form. They are beings which undergo constant changes as the bodies of man, beasts, plants, and minerals. B, composite beings of matter and form which do not undergo changes of either body or form as the former, but their forms remain forever set in their body unchanged. They are the planets and the stars around them. Their matter is unlike other matter, and their forms are unlike other forms. And C, beings possessed of forms but of no matter whatever they are the angels for the angels are incorporeal but varied forms mishnah torah the word angel while we now have a singular umbrella term that encompasses a wide range of beings its evolution is as important as the evolution of understanding the angels itself in modern hebrew the term malach the word most often used means messenger from the ugaritic luck to send through Greek, the term angelos is derived, both of which have a variety of meanings frequently used to refer to human agents or used figuratively. 
Post-biblical Hebrew employs malach only for superhuman messengers and uses other words for human agents. Apparently, for greater clarity, the Bible frequently calls the angel the malach of God, yet the same title is occasionally applied to human agents of the deity. Elsewhere, angels are called Elohim, usually God or gods, more often ben Elohim or ben Elim, sons of gods, in the general sense of divine beings. They are also known as kedoshim, holy beings, Often the angel is called simply man. The mysterious being who wrestled with Jacob is first called a man, then Elohim, but Hosea refers to him also as a malach. Many times within the Tanakh, it is written that one sees, speaks, interacts directly with the divine. However, through commentary and scholarship, it is decided upon that these interactions are through the angels of Hashem, not through Hashem directly. Many scholars cite the later inclusions of angels as a means of consolidating power in the religious literature or correcting an unclear narrative. Theophany, or a visible manifestation to humankind of God or a God, is widely and hotly discussed and debated within Jewish circles and beyond, with differing conclusions being reached. This will be touched on once again in the further section where we will discuss the appearance of angels. So what are angels. Angels have long held many roles within Jewish cosmology, but first and foremost, they are defined as spiritual entities in the service of the divine. Understanding Jewish angelology is to comprehend the vastness of their existence and the theology that defines them. As spiritual beings who serve the divine, there are certain bounds that have been placed upon them, which are often believed instringently or utterly disregarded within the Jewish world. It is believed that angels are unable to multitask, Baba Metzia 86b. The impulse of power has, uh, the impulse of evil has no power over angels, Genesis Rabba 48.11. Angels have no backs, men never get pyre, tired, Chagiga 15a. Angels must not take a step without Hashem's command, Tanhuma b Exodus 1.15. Angels often only serve one singular purpose, simply ceasing to exist or vanishing back into the universe after having completed their singular task. Hasidic thought evolved to the understanding that mitzvot or good deeds create good angels, while sinning and bad deeds create accusing angels to come into existence. To quote, angels not only summoned by our prayers, but are actually born by them. Our sages taught that every human deed creates an angel. Good deeds create angels that advocate for us in heaven. Bad deeds create angels that prosecute us in heaven. The Baal Shem Tov took this to the next level and taught that not only our deeds, but the words we speak also create angels. Our words of prayer not only summon angels, they create angels. These angels are not only the carriers of our words, they are our words. When you see biblically accurate angels on Tumblr or posted to TikTok in videos, quote unquote, exposing how the Bible lied to you, they are usually only showing you one kind of angel, when in reality there are many, many different classifications, as well as a commonly referenced angelic hierarchy. Let's talk about angelic hierarchies, because while there is there are commonly referenced one, there are multiple. There are various angelic hierarchies that are cited throughout Jewish historical and contemporary texts. Rabbi Jeffrey W. Dennis lists Malach, angel, Slash messenger, Irinim, waters, uh, watchers slash high angels, Cherubim, mighty ones, Sarim, princes, Seraphim, fiery ones, Chayot, holy creatures, and Ophanim, wheels. While Chabad lists Maimonides' hierarchy, which includes 
חיות הקודש, אופנים, ערלים, חשמלים, שרפים, מלאכים, אלוקים, בני אלוקים, חיובים ואישים. Chabad further explains that this hierarchy references the angel's understanding and comprehension of the divine and ways of the divine. So I just gave you two different examples of two different angelic hierarchies. As you can see, there are two different ones listed here, even though there are numerous videos and posts going, this is the real and true one, because there are many. So while there are... Uh, various ones. Let's look at some of the popular classes of angels. This will not be all of them, but let's look at some of the popular ones. Let's look first at cherubs or cherubim. Cherubim are the first angels to appear in the Tanakh after the banishment of Adam and Chava, Eve from Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden. Genesis 3.24 describes east of the Garden Eden where stationed the cherubim and the first ever turning and the fiery ever turning sword to guard the way to the tree of life. Chizkuni, Genesis uh, 3.24.2 comments, the cherubs, who were these cherubs? They were creatures whose very appearance frightened all those who merely looked at them. They carried gleaming swords in their hands. These swords exuded flashes of lightning from either side of the blade. Uh, according to Rabbeinu uh, Baya, Rashi 3.24.1.2, we also learn from this verse, especially the words, uh, that these angels are the ones we refer to in our prayers. The names of the angels are mentioned in Ezekiel. This is the Chaya which I have seen, and I realize that they are cherubs. It is a fact It is a fact familiar to Kabbalists that every Chaya has 16 faces, four in each direction of the globe, as, as it is written in Ezekiel 1.6. One of them has four faces, facets, seeing the word consists of a singular, uh, and the rest is merely a plural ending. Hence, four times in the four directions, each times equals 16. These cherubs are something intangible, which flashes from the sword, which seems in constant motion, turning over and over and over. This angel symbolizes his attribute of justice. Cherubim are described to be upon the tabernacle, hammered gold and facing one another. Ezekiel described each of the four cherubim of having four wings and four faces, two of their wings spread above out above one another and the other two to cover their bodies. Their four faces include that of a man, a lion on the right side, an ox on the left side, and an eagle. Under their wings on their four sides, they're described as possessing human hands, while each of their feet are like calves' foot, sparkling like a burnished bronze. Despite this decidedly not chubby, baby-faced child description, the angelic imagery was created uh, due to an understanding of the interpretation from Sukkah 5b, which interprets cherub to mean like a child. Though many uh, largely Christian artists took it much further and created the imagery of cherubs that we know now. And Rabbeinu, uh, to quote, and Rabbeinu said that Shmuel said it was through a miracle that the cherubs that Solomon placed in the Holy of Holies would stand. Their wingspan was 20 cubits and the length of the chamber was the same. There was no room for the bodies of the cherubs. Yoma 21a8. Let's move on to Seraphim. Seraph or Seraphim are known as the fiery ones. The four Seraphim correspond with the four winds. To quote, the fifth level of angels are the Seraphim. These angels absorb the light as they are reflected from the Chashmelim. The, the word Seraph can mean to absorb a substance. Here the angels are absorbing the remainder of the divine light in order to transfer it to the next level of angels. Above it stood the Seraphim. Each one had six wings. With twain, he covered his face. And with twain, he covered his feet. And with twain, he did fly. Isaiah 6.2. Seraphim are described by some as having an extremely short lifespan. As soon as they are created, they are immediately swallowed up in a fire 
in a fire of reincorporation with Hashem. They flash in and out of existence. Their only purpose in existence is to extinguish themselves in a flash of passionate fiery love, ending their own separate existence right after their creation. Their placement in the celestial court is also symbolic. Quote, I saw God and the seraphim were standing above him, end quote. The Alter Rebbe explains that the seraphim are being described as above him, Hashem is love, as it were, because their fundamental desire is to, grasp, is to grasp the dimension of Hashem that transcends all worlds. Hence, they stand above him, above the dimension of godliness that has been contracted to serve as the Lord over all worlds, i.e. the source of divine life energy that permeates the world. For since their desire is focused on these higher realms, it is as if they were standing there. The appearance of seraphim is described as having six wings, two to cover their face, two to cover their legs, and two to fly with. Now on to Chayot, referred to as holy beasts. Chayot are responsible for drawing the divine chariot. Ezekiel sees God appear with four polymorphous winged beings called Chayot, living creatures, each with four faces that have a human, a lion, ox, and an eagle, and four wings. Two of the creature's wings in Ezekiel's vision are spread out to touch the wings of the neighboring creature, suggesting they are standing in a circle. The second pair of wings cover their bodies just as Isaiah's seraphim do, but unlike Isaiah's seraphim, these creatures do not have a third pair of wings to cover their faces. Ezekiel 1-2, when they moved, I could hear the sound of their wings like the sound of mighty waters, like the sound of Hashem, a tumult, of, like the din of an army. When they stood still, they would let their wings droop. Now, Ofanim are uh, a very commonly drawn type of angel. You'll often see these ones in the, this is what biblically accurate angels look like videos or posts. Wheeled ones or spheres, ofanim are also known as galilim. According to some understandings, it is the result revolving ofanim that creates thunder and lightning. In the guide for the perplexed, Maimonides describes the ofanim. Now this is going to be an extraordinarily long post, so long quote, so we are going to read it all. Next comes the description of another part, for the prophet relates that he saw the body beneath the chayot, but closely joining them. This body, which is connected with the earth, consists likewise of four bodies and also has four faces, but no distinct form is ascribed to it, neither that of a man or that of any other living being. The four bodies are described as great, tremendous, and terrible. No form is given to them except that they are covered with eyes. These are the bodies called ofanim. The prophet therefore says, Now as I beheld the chayot, behold, one wheel upon the earth beside the living creatures, one with his, with his four faces. He thus distinctly states that the ofanim form a body of which one part touches the chayot and the other touches the earth, and the ofan has four faces. But he continues, The appearance of the ofanim wheels, and their work was like unto the color of a barrel, and they had four, had one likeness. By speaking of four ofanim, after having mentioned only one ofan, the prophet indicates that the four faces and the four ofanim are identical. The four ofanim have the same form, compare, and they four had one likeness. And the ofanim are then described as partly interjoined, for their appearance and their work were as if they were a wheel in the middle of a wheel. The chayot are partly joined, according to the words, they were joined one to another, whilst in reference to the ofanim, it is stated that they are partly intermixed, as if it were a wheel in the middle of a wheel. The body of the ofanim is described as being covered with eyes. It is possible that a body covered with real eyes is meant here, or a body with a different with different colors, ayin denoting eye, also color, as in the phrase, the color thereof, as the color of um or a body filled with the likeness of things. In this latter sense, the term ayin is being used by our sages in phrases like the following. 
like the can which is which he has stolen, like that can which he has robbed, or the different properties and qualities are meant according to the meaning of the word ayin in the passage. It may be like the Lord will look benai on my condition. So much for the form of the ofanim. With that, what do other angels look like? We've just described a number of different angels from classical angelic uh, discussions. While we have discussed those specific descriptions given for those named angelic classes, there are many other appearances that exist outside of those hierarchies. Angels appear in many forms throughout Jewish, Jewish history. As messengers, angels have appeared in the form of humans, indistinguishable from true, true humans. Others as extraordinarily beautiful people, winged humans, or be beings wielding weapons like massive swords or carrying an inkhorn by their side. Angels can also appear in non-human form, like the burning bush of Moses, which is, according to some sources, an angel, identified by various scholars as either Gabriel or Michael. Also identified as an angel by some scholars, but not others, is the pillar of fire and cloud, which travels to the Israelites during the exodus from Egypt. The Rashbam states that it is an angel, while others believe that it's Hashem directly, while others still named the pillars as manifestations of Hashem outside of Hashem. Other citations include the angels appearing in animal form as well. To quote, according to one source, Michael is entirely made of snow and Gavriel entirely of fire, but despite their proximity, they do not harm one another, a symbol of God's power to make peace in his lofty heights. Now, angels were not simply associated with singular affinity. So let's talk about angelic correspondences. So these singular affinities like grace, strength, etc., they also existed at a time where uh, with correspondences at large. So the Sefer Yetzirah, or the Book of Creation, lists a number of correlations between angels and planets, as well as months and astrological signs and days. And according to Ra Rabbi Ronald H. Isaacs, in Ascending Jacob's Ladder, Jewish View of Angels, Demons, and Evil Spirits, the apocryphal works, the Books of Enoch, also lists, lists correspondences, as well as numerous other angelic correspondences and duties. So we're going to read a little bit of a what I've listed as the angelic directory. This is not a full list of all angels and their duties. Of course not. But this is just a, a list, a small list, a portion, if you will. So we have Gabriel, angel of fire, Uruchiel, angel of wind, Ramiel, angel of thunder, Salgiel, angel of snow, Matariel, angel of precipitation, Laliel, angel of night, Galgaliel, angel of overseeing the sun's orb, Opaniel, Angel overseeing disk of moon, Barakiel, angel of lightning, Baradiel, angel of hail, Jeremiel, angel in charge of the seeds of the netherworld, Kategor, accusing angel in charge of calling attention to the transgressions of people, Kokabriel, angel of the stars, Malachamavet, angel of death, Metatron, angel of the presence, Raziel, angel of earthquakes, Raquel, angel who takes revenge on the world of light, Raphael, angel who brings prayers to Hashem and healing, Ruziel, angel of uh, magic, Sanegor, defending angel who defends people in the heavenly court, Uriel, prince of archangels, thunder and earthquakes, warned people about the end of the world, Zamiel, angel of whirlwinds, and Zapiel, angel of hurricanes. Now, there is also Laila, who does not mention the works, but is suggested to be the only feminine angel and is also associated with the night. Uh, she's added as an asterisk when we discussed Laliel. She's also associated with conception and intercourse, as well as guiding souls to their bodies. Let me know if you'd like a mini episode on Laila, because that'd be a very fun mini episode. 
So let's move on to archangels. Archangel is a very popular term today, but it's not one that exists within original Jewish thought, even though it is now very well understood. There are varying numbers of archangels according to various sources and definitions, because archangel is not a specific listing. There are numerous angels that fall within its realm at various times and by various Jewish thinkers. The quote, a group of seven angels is frequently described as heading the world of angels, also designated as archangels, and they have entry to the presence of the glory of the Lord. They are Uriel, whose function is to lead the angelic host and guard Sheol, Raphael, who's in charge of the spirits of humans, Raguel, who takes revenge upon the world of lights, Michael, who watches over Israel, Sariel, whose duties are not defined, Gabriel, who rules paradise, Jeremiel, who, according to a later uh, apocalyptic composition, guards the souls of the underworld. These seven angels are always in the proximity of God and are the ones that are always called upon to carry out tasks of special significance for world history, such as the punishment of the fallen angels or of the 70 angels who act as the princes of the peoples of the earth. Uh, The the elevation of the Levite to the priesthood, the transmission of heavenly wisdom to Enoch. Chabad, for example, identifies only Michael and Gabriel as archangels, pointing to the Midrash, wherein the former is called the Prince of Kindness and Water, and the latter the Prince of Severity and Fire, uh, being Chesed and Gevorah, in that order. Quote, thus, uh, Angel Michael is dispatched on missions that are expressions of God's kindness, and Gabriel on those that are mission expressions of God's severity and judgment. They further explain that the angels are not capable of multitasking, and so beneath each of these two archangels are many angels that they direct to in order to represent their services in the world. Thus, Michael and Gabriel are referred to as archangels, since they are at the head of these different groups of angels, uh, which are known as hosts, camps, machane, or banner, dega of angels. However, other sources often include Raphael and Uriel and the four archangels, Raphael being an angel associated with healing and fire, Uriel with light. Metatron is also commonly referred to as an archangel. Growing up as a metaphysical child, I've said it many times, I frequently confuse Megatron and Metatron. So these are just a few of the named angels, but the vast majority of angels go completely unnamed, and it's important that we mention that. But what about guardian angels? The concept of a guardian angel as a singular figure who stands between one and harm is not found within mainstream Jewish theology. However, based on Pirkei Avot 4.11, Rabbi Eliezer ben Jacob, one who performs one commandment acquires for himself an advocate, and one and he who commits one transgression acquires for himself one accuser. Repentance and good deeds are a shield against punishment. The advocate and accuser are both translated to angel by some theologians and scholars. Rabbi Eliezer ben, son of Yaakov, said, One who fulfills one mitzvah commandment acquires himself a single defending angel. One who commits one's transgression requires one accusing angel. Repentance and good deeds serves as a shield before retribution. According to common teachings, particularly within movements like Chabad, these angels testify on your behalf, on your behalf before the celestial court. However, praying for angels to protect us is common in Jewish practice. The names of angels, the names of the angels Sensenoi, Senoi, and Semangalov are invoked to protect from the demon Lilith and have been for hundreds and hundreds of years. And many traditional songs include the invocations of angels, as well as the bread time prayer, which uh, specifically includes the angel names of angels. You can see the prayer listed in this blog post version of this podcast on our website. 
This is not the only case for angelic protection. Psalm 91 11 states, or he will instruct his angels in your behalf to guard you in all your ways. To quote, it was taught in a Baraita, Rabbi Yosef Bar Yehuda says, two ministering angels accompany a person on Shabbat evening from the synagogue to his home, one good angel and one evil angel. And when he reaches his home and finds a lamp burning and a table set in his bed made, the good angel says, may it be your will that this shall be like this for another Shabbat. And the and the evil angel answers against his will, amen. And if the person's home is not prepared for Shabbat in that manner, the evil angel says, may it be your will that it'll be so forth for another Shabbat. And the good angel answers against his will, Shabbat. Amen. Shabbat uh, 119b. This, like the above quotation, highlights the interesting duality within the nature of quote unquote personal angels. A fascinating discussion whether or not one should beg angels to wait for them while defecating provides the basis for the idea that angels do at all times accompany humans. To quote, one who enters a bathroom says to the angels who accompany him at all times, be honored, honorable holy one, servants of the one on high, who give honor to the God of Israel, leave me until I until I enter and do my will and come back to you. Abaya said a person should not say this lest they abandon him and go. Rather, he should say, guard me, guard me, help me, help me, support me, support me, wait for me, wait for me until I enter and come out, as this is the way of man. Berachot 60b. In most modern communities, angels are invoked not as a means of praying towards the angel, but are invoked while praying towards Hashem, the divine source of power behind all angels and their angelic actions. While invoking angels in the specific realms they rule over, most modern Jews are careful not to worship the angel, but merely see them as a chosen representative of the vastness of Hashem. So if you listen to our last podcast, which was on the Jewish toilet demon, you will have heard us talk about how angels do not come with us into the bathroom, but it is interesting here that how uh, Abaya is saying we should beg our angels to come with us into the bathroom. But it seems minor opinion. Now let's talk about fallen angels. As mentioned in the introduction, Jewish angelology is not inherently consistent or linear, as it developed over thousands of years, spanning multiple continents, communities, and religious periods of enlightenment. Certain concepts rose and fell from popularity, much like the concept of fallen angels. In its essence, the fallen angel mythos embodies the idea that angels were cast out or uh, rebelled and fell from heaven. The results of this literature vary wildly. Some say that these fallen angels mated with humans, women, to create giants. Others believe these fallen angels taught women witchcraft, astrology, and even the lunar calendar, which uh, Judaism uses a lunar solar calendar. In many writings, however, they do not retain their angelic status, but become demonic and known as forces of impurity. To quote, when humankind began to increase on earth and daughters were born to them, he, males among the divine beings, divine beings, other sons of God, saw how pleasing the human women were and took wives from, them, from among who delighted them. Hashem said, my breath shall not abide, meaning uh, in humankind, since it is two flesh, let the days be allowed. The days allowed them be 120 years. It was then and later too that the Nephilim appeared on earth when divine beings being cohabitated with the human women who bore them offspring. Such were the heroes of old, the men of renown. Renown. While most fallen angels are unnamed, there are some who have become synonymous with the idea of Satan, the adversary. However, due to the pervasiveness of Christian mythology, both official and unofficial doctrine, the idea of the devil and Satan as being a singular being existing as a fallen angel has taken hold in some contemporary Jewish spaces. Now, let's talk about some important stories of angels. 
within the Tanakh, there are many important stories of angels, some of which have been quoted or alluded to above. Some of the major ones include the angel of Balaam, Joshua's angel who instructed him to remove his sandals, the angel, angel of Gideon, an Israelite judge, an angel who foretold the birth of Manoah, the father of Samson, Jacob, Israel, uh, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah's angel, the story of Hagar. One of my favorite stories, uh, including angels, is the story of Rabbi Asnat Barzani, a Kurdish woman often believed to be the first female rabbi born in 1560. She saved a synagogue from burning by summoning angels using the divine name, and said angels are described as using their wings to beat the flames out until they disappeared to ash before the angels descend, uh, ascended back to heaven, which I think is just a great story. Let's talk one more thing, and that's summoning angels. In many Jewish esoteric and mystical texts, there are writings regarding the summoning of angels. These rituals can be extraordinarily complex as well as difficult to execute and complete. Some might argue that any prayer or song uh, sung to an angel might count within the realm of invocation or summoning. However, uh, there are specific rituals meant to summon angels to own secrets of Torah, and those exist specifically within Jewish mystical spheres. So we could argue that Shalom Aleichem or a song that we call, a sing that invites in angels, which there are many of, could be arguing that we are inviting in an angel and therefore we are summoning an angel. But there are other more specific, explicit rituals out there. On that note, we have reached the end of our podcast talking all about angels. I mentioned earlier our last episode, and that was our mini episode talking all about the Jewish toilet demon. And we had some wonderful feedback. If you are a Spotify user, you should be able to leave feedback when we have an open question. And we asked, what did you think about these episodes? How do you feel? Some people left reviews there. Some people emailed. Some people went directly to our Patreon. And it seems people really like it and they like a good balance. So we are going to be doing, or we're hoping to do, a nice balance of mini and long episodes to keep content coming at a good rate. All of the citations for this episode can be found on jewitches.com under the blog post, Angels in Judaism, an introductory discussion. Thank you all so much. I'll see you all next year. Goodbye.